strangers, and welcome to the Strange Horizons podcast for January 27th, 2014. I'm your host and fearless leader, Anaya Lay. For this week's podcast, we're bringing you the poetry from the January issues of Strange Horizons. First up, we have The Restoration of Youth, written by Mari Ness, read by Julia Rios. Mari worships chocolate, words, and music in no particular order. Her poetry and fiction have appeared in Clark's World, Apex Magazine, Daily Science Fiction, Goblin Fruit, and previously at Strange Horizons, among other places. You can find a longer list of her work at mariknest.wordpress.com or follow her on Twitter at mariness. After that, we'll have Dermatoglyphics by Stacy Taylor, read by Anaya Stacy lives in Mobile, Alabama with her dog. She has a BA in English and will begin a master's in library sciences this fall. This is her first publication. Next, we'll have Architect, written by Sharon Kretz and read by Chiro Faenza. According to family, Sharon began singing and telling stories before she could write them down. If it were possible to subsist on tea, music, and language, she would. And finally, we'll have Roman Shade by April Grant and read by our first external reader, Dennis M. Lane. April lives in Boston. Her backstory includes time as a sidewalk musician, real estate agent, public historian, dishwasher, and librarian. Among her hobbies are biking and ruin appreciation. Now, settle in. Let's begin. The Restoration of Youth by Mari Ness I caught her beneath her father's bulk, his breathing heavy in the dark. He gives me sweets, the young girl said, her eyes watching the ground. She could not have seen twelve summers. Touching me brings him youth, he says, and this way I can give him thanks. I let my voice caress her skin. You could give him what he truly wants. My tongue, or the sweetness of youth beating through his veins. Yes, I think he likes my little sister more. I handed her my silver knife with its handle carved of dragon bone and prepared the fire of green-cut wood, filling a cauldron with verdant herbs. A young ram leapt from the copper depths. She did all the cutting. We watched the water boil and steam and breathed the heavy vapors, smiling at the fresh scent of herbs, of youth. Dermatoglyphics by Stacy Taylor These ink stains, dark as old blood, well in each curve, Fill groove and whirl, carve stark patterns against my skin. Words flood from these fresh wounds. I've made them myself, kept scores in sensitive flesh. Let me ask you, what choice did I have? Later, syntax clogged and clotted, wrecked my clean lines, pulsed on the page distinct as ink blots. My Rorschach, let me ask you, what choice do you see? Bat or butterfly? Chalice or staff? The woman in the wallpaper? Sin, 
and salvation. In words and in blood, there is both. Architect by Sharon Cret On a hill over the sea, two hundred steps above the earth, I build my nest in the crook of an old jackpine, willow, oak, linden, cypress, a base to give in the wind, shore against the tempest of those below. Magpie enough for silvered toffee wrappers, nestled like distant stars in the crocks of feathers and bone. Pages torn from a bard's folio, diminished by the rub of time and water. Raven's tail feather, plucked to paint shade over the shock of the world. Layers of paper, spines of fallen wood, salt flowers on powdered feathers making vellum of air's instrument. My nest has grown too heavy. Time has weakened Jack's heart. The wind clasps him close. He leans too far in her arms. My eyes grow tired of this shore. The air, too much broom, apple, and dust. I will abandon this strata bed, craft another on an unfamiliar shore, where an architect may sleep in a strange tale's branches. Roman Shade by April Grant For Fay Ringle Prologue a summer evening, at Aunt Sally's house, she entertained the poet and myself. He wore gold rims. I thought the world of him. Sally, the social lioness, in search of plum and melon ice cream, tactfully stepped out and let me show the poet around. Rooms of sea green, peach, silver, dull gold, blue, antique and vintage lacquer, marble, glass. Our poet ambled through it in his tweeds, approving this or that with little nods. He smiled upon the paintings, busts and prints, the views of Edo and the Russian vase, and Sally's grand piano, cream and gold. On all he beamed, and in his beams I basked, watching his lips for brilliance. What's in here? The darkened dining room we never used. The poet murmured, Ah, oh, yes. Roman shade. Remarkable. I couldn't stop to ask. Ideas came flooding fast. I stood and guessed. 1. She-Wolf At the height of summer, smoke goes up from Rome. Beneath the fig tree, their mother lies and pants, her flanks heaving. In the shade, she smells sacrifice. The tyranny of sun glares white from those walls. Her sons grew alien and left her to her grove, went off to be day creatures. They were both soft. They were smooth and chubby, could not bear nipping, learned to walk clinging on her angular sides, clamped their mouths on her dugs, as real cubs would do. Hundreds of years have passed since then. The she-wolf, Many a time has borne cubs of her own flesh. She loves them, but she never forgets the weak ones. They must both have mates by now, and cubs of cubs. When they grow old, as she, eternal, will not, they will have children to lick their faces clean and hunt for them. The she-wolf is comforted. She never saw the wall her human boys built. By that time, 
they had both forgotten her milk when the naked wolf lad leapt over the wall. 2. Arena I grew up, grace given under the stars striding. I slew the lean lion and the deer fell daily. They caught and bound me as the brown bear mighty. In chains they bore me from my cliffs of hunting. Here, in the caverns of Rome, am I cabined, in building blocks darkness as a cur cowers. From here they will hoist me to most hateful sunlight. An oval plain, shadeless, eyes over eyes staring, friendless, to force men at my spearhead to stagger, till one drag me downward to meet my shadow's mercy. 3. In his habit as he lived. I'll meet thee at Philippi, the ghost sighed, looming above the youth of aspect sad, who squinted at the spectre and replied, I thought you were supposed to be my dad. But aren't you Brutus? said the Roman shade. You've come to the wrong theatre, said the prince. I hope you find him. Caesar, much dismayed, vanished with fog and an embarrassed wince. 4. Antique Roman In that same castle by the sea, much later in another room, while lampwicks smother in the gloom, blood's cooling on the marble floor. Beside a pile of noble dead they've known their whole lives long, there lie two students. One came home to die. The dark one holds the fair one's head. The drugs to put him out of pain stand by the dark lad on the floor. He'll follow after. He is more an antique Roman than a Dane. And there is yet some liquor here. The fair boy, lying on his back, slaps down the glass to roll and crack with the last strength of his career. Somebody has to stay behind to see their story still draws breath. Mine is the easy part. That's death. The labour's living as you'll find to live's the hardest task of all. The fair-haired boy begins to fade. He whispers, sighing out his shade. At last there's silence in the hall. 5. Mount Auburn Cemetery H. Wadsworth Longfellow, I've heard it said, Lowell and Holmes lie in Mount Auburn's hills of mighty dead, where now the tourist roams. I, with my guidebook and a friend in tow, too awed to talk, passed by the marble houses row on row, and fought the urge to knock. Up the long hillside under hemlock trees, tombs faced a brook. Every door had a window with a grill. I meant to have a look. The first was dark to my sun-dazzled eyes. Something had groped with muddy little hands at the next door. Just a raccoon, I hoped. And next, a tomb's screen door, like iron lace, a dark design. Deep in that tomb, a grimly smiling face was staring into mine. The honesty, for which I am always known, leads me to say I fell back flailing, gave a strangled moan, leapt up and ran away. Soon, cooler heads prevailed. That ancient shade inside the tomb had been as white as marble. Less afraid... We faced him through the gloom. That eagle-nosed and grimly smiling face, far at the back, under a skylight in a sunny place, 
stood out against the black. Was he the image of a man who lay near in a box? Was he a prank meant for a sunny day to give the tourists a shock? Was he, perhaps, some rich collector's prize among the dead? We whispered, Ave, Ave, to the eyes of that white, knowing head. 6. In the Roman Wing Free day at the museum. I walk from bust to bust among the marble Romans collecting clean, dry dust. Dead eyes in beaky profiles, old men with baggy skin, a bull-necked man of action, a widow's dimpled chin. I paused before a matron of curly, braided head. Her eyebrows were raised, disdainful, and this is what she said. Slaves with a saffron awning would keep me from the sun. Both modest and accomplished, I worked in wools and spun. Hairdressers I had seven, and half a dozen maids, the envy of the city, girl masters of their trades. I beat them when they failed me or when they made too free. I bore no man's reproaches. They all belonged to me. Now, sold and caged in crystal to all my faces bare, while children suck their fingers, an old plebeian stare. Girls with red hair dishevelled pass by me but to say, Oh, is that Cleopatra? And then they walk away. My ancestors about me, I thought to take my place, to watch my children's children burn myrrh before my face. Base animals, why bear me to bondage where I fade? Oh, let me sink in darkness, delightful Roman shade. 7. The Old Women M. Aemilius Structus, junior secretary to the governor, to his wife Cornelia. You need not fear, my plum, I have abandoned you, that I have failed to write may be ascribed to the state. Tonight I'll make one letter do the work of four. Here you may meet the fabled brutes in dirty furs who bathe three times a year and grow their shaggy beards, who heard no Latin till they were fully grown, pursuing feuds in vengeance upon their neighbours' cows. Their neighbours' women and children suffer most. They lament at their new governor, who will not let them play their little games of blood. Of course, they loved old Seeker, who, having gone native, lay unwashed upon furs, a lover at each hand. They try our patience. The governor is quite as vexed, but hides it well. We must remember they are children, these huge and dirty fellows. Only little boys with the powers of men. One can't expect a child to thank you for a thrashing, be it never so deserved. You know that just as I do, mother of my sons. You need not fear a rival. Let me say it once again. The thought of a barbarian with watery blue eyes holds no appeal for me. As for the brutes, one never sees their women. And sometimes I think barbarians are solely men who breed by sprouts and buds, or spring from horsehairs dropped in mud as serpents do. We suffer presently from childish spite. Three days ago, one of them leapt upon and stabbed a legionary. We've set a guard upon the Temple of Minerva. These creatures will pry off the roof tiles otherwise. They do not count it theft to steal from Romans. 
The poor guard, Lanus, never out of Rome before these hills, will lose an eye. He killed the leaper, who was very old. So ugly and so old a hillman I have never seen. They murder one another in their middle years, for the most part, before they can achieve grey hairs. He was naked, and about his neck hung certain stones with holes. We could not find his knife, and I vow this is a nuisance, since those animals say Lanus struck the first blow. Otherwise they are deaf. Often these days I wish my time was out and I was tossed by whirlwinds to your bed, my tiny mouse. I wish this three times a day. The only touch of beauty in these hills occurs at dusk. The dirty swine all cook their meat on open fires outdoors. Their flames shine near and far. When they're too far to make a stench, why, one might think a hail of stars had showered to the earth, although their drumming spoils the peace. You'd find this a fair sight, my dearest plum, and this alone of all sights here. We finished off the fish sauce weeks ago, and now we have no way to kill the taste of hill provisions. One may eat even rancid lamb if one enlists the help of fish sauce. We are almost through the wine. By the 15th, the mule train should have reached us. We are counting days. Today, we held the trial. The governor made up his mind to rule that Lanus committed manslaughter and must pay blood price to the dead man's dirty kin. Though this humiliates the lad, still his centurion stands with us. We have not only to be just, but to show Roman justice done before them. It falls to me to find descendants of the ancient beast. They say he has no kin left, but they're lying out of spite. They're inbred, brother-cousins, nephew-sons, bred back. He must have kin. And so I spent today out getting nosebleeds battered by the windstorm as I trudged between their huts. I brought an officer and men along in case of trouble. I looked into goatish faces that said, Not me, ordained to speak no Latin any more. They traced their toes in patterns on the dirt. At times, I wonder why we try. Golden Apollo could descend, singing of Troy, and they would bite his arm, hump his leg. The day begins to fade. A man can sit beside the lamp and write, as I do now, and sip his wine in twilight here, content and almost at ease. One forgets the dirt and flies and hillmen. This half-measure is the last wine I will see for Bacchus knows how long. So I had better make it last. As I began this letter came another wretched fuss. A naked little boy ran up and shouted at the legionaries all in that gobbling tongue. Still, there was one who understood, a half-breed, though it's not his fault. He says, the boy cried out, We will release the old women! We will send down the old women upon you! Of all the threats I've known, that's feeblest. What harm can they do us? Will they spin us to death? But no, they are barbarians. No one here spins. I'm picturing their hags, freed from kennels with dishevelled hair, crawling along the earth to gnaw us with their toothless gums. Crawling 
along the earth. It's curious. I almost wrote a cloud has snuffed the stars, but clouds have veiled the sky all night. The stars upon the land, the hillmen's fires, are going out in swathes, and the most distant hills are wholly sunk to night. There is no sound. It's drawing towards us in a wave. Blackness is putting out the stars of fire. Epilogue. I ceased and, for the first time, was aware of Sally trying hard to catch my eye. The poet had been shifting where he stood, as though to speak. The sun had slid around until it glowed in through the golden silk. Were any of my guesses right? I asked. What's Roman shade? That made the poet blink. A shade, of course. Why? That's a Roman shade. He pointed at the window in its blinds. When the Victorians tried painting Rome, said Sally, they gave Caesar drapes like these. But still, good guess. Oh, thanks. My throat is sore. That ice cream should be nice and soft by now. Let's go eat, said Aunt Sally. So we did. Welcome back. As always, I encourage you to go to the website and take a look at each of the poems and see what they look like and read through them yourselves to get an extra layer out of them. While you're there, I'm going to implore you to go to the podcast page and leave a comment to welcome Dennis and thank him for his work on this month's podcast. He's the first of many voices we're going to be bringing you this year for the poetry, several of whom you're going to get to hear for our special poetry issue coming up in February. I hope you're looking forward to that. One last note before you go. Strange Horizons is an entirely volunteer organization supported by donations from our fans and community. If you'd like to support us, check out the donate link on our website. That's all for this week. Until next time, stay strange.